0: Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. For many years in our state, one of the biggest challenges for working parents has been the chronic unavailability of affordable and quality child care. When it costs almost as much as a person earns to pay for care, it's not surprising that many people simply throw up their hands and give up. The pandemic only made things worse. Of course, it doesn't have to be this way, and thankfully, a growing number of Americans, including business leaders in the North Carolina Chamber, are slowly coming to this realization. The latest positive sign? A package of bipartisan bills to substantially boost childcare funding and make other systemic improvements. And recently, I got a chance to have a special extended conversation with a state lawmaker who's helping to lead the charge, Guilford County State Representative Ashton Wheeler Clemens. Well, Representative Ashton wheeler Clemens, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you back with us.
1: Yes, glad to be with you.
0: So much going on now at the General Assembly, and actually maybe a little hint of some good news with some of the developments that you've been working on in recent days. We know that one of the biggest challenges to emerge during the pandemic, but it existed long before the pandemic, was the availability of safe, affordable childcare for parents who want to be in the workforce. And Now it's actually a bipartisan coalition of lawmakers that you're helping to lead has rolled out a package of bills aimed at making some improvements here in this really struggling system. Before I want to get into the bills, can you just sort of paint a picture for our listeners about sort of the state of child care across North Carolina and the struggles that so many parents are facing really all over the state, whether it's in Guilford or Wake or all across the state?
1: you know, I think it's probably best summarized by the mother Daphne who spoke at our press conference. She has Ella Rose, a seven month old and a toddler and then a grade school student. And she was trying to find childcare. She said she is on wait list at seven different places and the place she really wants was just told that the wait list is full. So she can't even put her name on the wait list to be waiting for a space in child care. So we know that it is a crisis across our state. Families are not able to get back to work because they're having to take care of their children when they would rather be in the workforce or need to be to provide for their family. We know business leaders are now really stepping up in this area. We were pleased to have the North Carolina Chamber as one of the speakers as our press conference because they know that the workforce of today and the workforce of tomorrow depend on a strong early child care system. So we know that it is a crisis that has just gotten harder and more exacerbated after the COVID pandemic. I would say, as you said, the crisis is not just related to COVID. It was already a crisis with not being able to have sustainable wages in the childcare system. And so their workforce alone is a problem and was before the pandemic and is even more a challenge now. There are lots of challenges ahead of us. As you said, it's a very Encouraging and optimistic work that we're doing because it is bipartisan led work and we have a huge range of advocates that are behind this.
0: I guess it's gotten so big, the problem is just so in our faces that there's no turning away from it. I mean, is it boiled down to the fact that we just have a flawed economic model for how we run child care? I mean, there's just not enough money for the centers to pay people enough to come to work. Is it that? Yeah. But, but on, the, on the other hand, it's so expensive. That parents can't afford it. It just seems almost like it's a catch-22 system we've, we've constructed. Yeah,
1: it, it does feel like we're in a constant spiral of knowing that people need childcare to get to work and to take care of their families, And the system is dependent on what families are able to pay, which means that the people who need it most are not able to access it, so then the costs are brought down by asking childcare workers to subsidize the system by being paid $10 and $11 an hour. But if we want to pay them what they're worth to get the workforce that we need, it makes the cost prohibitive for families. So it is um, a, a spiral of challenges, and we kind of keep coming back to that system. And so that's why it's important that we do have the business community and others engaged in solving the problem and understanding that part of the solution is going to have to be broader than just families and the state offering resources to families for childcare.
0: Yeah, we know, and of course, in many parts of the world, there's just public free education birth onward. And maybe someday we'll get to that point in North Carolina. But in the meantime, there's bills like House Bills 342 and 343, which I gather would dramatically increase the amount of money that the state of North Carolina is providing in the way of subsidies and would help teacher salaries and, and just sort of help prop up the system uh, as it runs out of pandemic-era funding. Is that sort of the basic goal of that legislation?
1: Yeah. Yes, you're referencing two bills. One of them would extend the compensation grants that were provided during the federal ARPA dollars during covid so in the crisis of COVID with child care, the federal government really added an influx of dollars that went directly to the workforce to give people raises to try and keep them employed in our child care system. And we're coming to the end of a cliff. What will happen to an already crisis level system, right, if then all of a sudden we take away one or two on average dollars an hour from the workforce. And so one of the bills is to extend those compensation grants, which are going directly to the workforce. The second you referenced is to increase the subsidy rate. Uh, We, in the last budget, we increased the subsidy rate to the market rate of 2018. So there's a study done every few years of what the average market rate is for a county. And that's what we base our subsidies on. So this bill would move it to the 2021 subsidy rate and would also increase, it's kind of complicated, but it would bring a floor to the subsidy, which would mean our poorest communities and our most stretched childcare would get an extra bump to that subsidy bill.
0: We're talking with House Deputy Democratic Leader. She's in her third term in the North Carolina House representing Guilford County, Representative Ashton wheeler Clemens. We're talking about childcare and the crisis in North Carolina. One of the things I'm struck by, you referenced the fact that the Chamber of Commerce, the North Carolina Chamber is supportive. of. we don't usually think of the Chamber as a group that gets on board for legislation to support public funding for human services. But, you know, they're usually just about cutting taxes and limiting the size of government. But they're realizing that there's no other option to address this, this situation. Is that sort of your assessment of it?
1: Yes, it was really exciting, actually, to see local Chamber of Commerce leaders. So I've met with Moore County and Rocky Mount Chamber of Commerce. We have local chamber of commerces who are who are hearing from their local business leaders that this is an issue, and that has bubbled up to the state. And we were so happy to have Deborah speak on behalf of the chamber. You know, she was bold in her comments. It's time to really rethink childcare in our state. And Gary Salamito, I heard speak a couple of weeks ago at a different event. And he said, what we hear from businesses is workforce, workforce, workforce. And he said, but right up there with workforce is childcare. So, you know, I will work with anyone that comes to the table to <laughs> import, improve childcare. And I'm really thrilled that President Salamino, uh, Deborah, were part of our conference and are part of the work moving ahead. It's it's much beyond just standing up with us. They have their own working group on childcare at the North Carolina Chamber. Uh, so it's... It's an exciting time, and I founded this Bipartisan Bicameral Caucus in 2019, and the amount of progress that's been made in willingness to engage in this on both sides of the aisles and in both chambers and even the leadership of both chambers and the business community has dramatically increased even just from 2019 to where we are now in
0: 2023. That's great news. We're so glad to have some encouraging news in this realm. Another bill in this package that we're talking about is one that would address the state's rating system, right, that assigns (laughs) we have sort of a one through five star system for, for daycares and preschools. Tell us more about what that legislation would do.
1: Yeah, so we in North Carolina use something called the QRIS star rating system, and that's how child care providers and their centers are rated. And in a lot of ways, we were leading by having this system when we put it in place, but it has not been reformed in several years, and it really is not matching the current workforce crisis that we're in in early child care. So I think there was broad consensus that the QRIS system really needed to be looked at and uh, reformed to make it more accessible and forward looking at what our child care system needs to be moving forward. And so this bill extends, uh, there's a current pause on the star rating from COVID. It extends it again one more time through June 30th, 24. But most importantly, it directs a stakeholder engagement group led by the North Carolina Child Care Commission to work together to say this is what the reforms should be like. So we don't think we know what the reforms should be like, but we know that there have to be reforms. And this is going to be a collective, broad spectrum of voices working to tell us what those reforms should be. And we intend on having those ready for short session.
0: Not just temporary fixes. Yeah. So we're talking with Representative Ashton wheeler Clemens of the North Carolina General Assembly. She's a Guilford County State Representative. We're talking about childcare and access to early childhood education in our state package of bipartisan bills that's been introduced. There's another bill that y'all have introduced. It's about tri-share child childcare funds. This is a pilot program, as I understand it, that would help maybe three counties as a sort of a test case. Can you shed any light on that one?
1: Yes, I'm so excited about this one, actually. Um, Tri-Share is, so we were just kind of talking about that we're in this cycle of family and state being a challenge to fund the childcare system and that businesses are saying we need childcare. So this pilot actually allows all of those people to come together to make childcare more accessible and affordable and to keep people in the workforce. And so the model is businesses, families, and the state would share, try share uh, the cost of childcare. And so businesses would be able to use this as an incentive for their workers and it would decrease the cost of child care for their families who are trying to access child care because they would be responsible for a third instead of, you know, all of it yeah. or a half. And it decreases overall the state's share of it as well. And so um, it, actually, the, the idea of tri-share started in Michigan. So we had lots of conversations. We are so fortunate in North Carolina when Michigan started the program, They did not have what we have in smart start they didn't have hubs around the state that were in local communities already working and we do. So we already have community hubs that can do the work of pulling businesses together. Um, So what it uses the bill uses. our Smart Start partnerships, along with NCDCEE and Department of Health and Human Services, will in three counties have pilots of Trash Share to work with the business community of those counties to try and get this going so we can learn how it works in North Carolina. Does it work? What do we need to change? One of those will have to be in a tier one county of uh, mm-hmm. following our economic measures here in the state and so i'm really excited about uh, learning trying something new I, I really think this space is right for innovation and this is just one innovation we're encouraging
0: coming up next part two my special extended conversation with state representative ashton wheeler clemens stay with us read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. In part one of my special extended conversation with Guilford County State Representative Ashton Wheeler Clemens, we discussed the enormous challenge that confronts North Carolina working parents in finding affordable and quality child care and how some promising new bipartisan legislation could take a bite out of the problem. In part two of our chat, we discuss some other important bills from the current legislative session for which she feels a good deal of optimism, including proposals that would address our state's rising and deeply troubling spike in maternal deaths, lower our state high school dropout rate, and at last extend Medicaid coverage to hundreds of thousands of North Carolinians trapped in the healthcare coverage gap. Obviously, just providing care to kids is not the only thing that we need to do when it comes to taking care of our struggling families and children these days. You've got another piece of legislation you're involved with, House Bill 321, that would address maternal morbidity, which is a frightening topic. The numbers continue to be sort of striking in our state of um, maternal morbidity, moms dying after childbirth and in the year following. Talk to us about um, what's going on with this legislation and what it seeks to address.
1: Yes, our numbers in our country, but in North Carolina in particular, the uh, numbers and percentage of women who are dying and giving birth or quickly after, as you referenced, and our infant mortality are really abysmal and unacceptable. And I give Senator Jim Bergen full credit on being the loudest voice advocating on this topic, uh, particularly... For our black moms and babies, uh, black babies are 2.7 times more likely to die than a white baby in their first year of life. And so uh, one of the strategies that we know that has been proven to be most effective particularly with women of color and their families, is increased access to doula and group prenatal care services. And so this bill would expand those services by providing Medicaid coverage. So if you're a Medicaid patient, which about half of moms in North Carolina are new moms, then um, you would be able to have doula and group prenatal care services covered, which they are currently not. Um, And we know that those services are research-based effective measures at decreasing maternal and infant mortality. So I'm very uh, proud of this work as well.
0: All these ideas that we've got are encouraging, but it's also, there's a lot of big budget asks this session. You know, the General Assembly is still talking about more tax cuts. What are your thoughts on the state of budget negotiations? Are you optimistic that there will actually be funding provided for these kinds of essential programs or that it might result in cuts elsewhere in the budget, for instance? I know that's a concern some have expressed.
1: Sure. And I think North Carolina is in this wonderful position, actually, of we have the resources to invest in the people of our state while also having balanced tax policy. So I think we can do both. We can have tax policy that encourages growth and puts money in the pockets of families and invest in what those families and businesses need, which we know childcare is one of those. I will say that all of these bills we put forth were discussed with the leadership, Speaker Moore and Senator Berger's health policy folks, and they're supportive of the bills moving forward and being put out there. As you see, there are Republicans as lead sponsors on every one of them and joining as uh, co-primary sponsors as well. So, You know as well as I do that the budget negotiation is a constant back and forth and up and down and you just never know till the uh, bill crosses the finish line. But (laughs) I do feel very encouraged that Republicans and Democrats in this area understand that we must invest in this if we want to continue to grow our state and if we want to take care of the people here now. I won't pop the champagne until it's across the finish line, but I feel very encouraged and optimistic with where we are.
0: Great news. We're coming to the end of our time with Representative Ashton Wheeler-Clemens, but I want to ask you a couple couple more questions. I know there's some K-12 through 12 bills you've been working on this session, dropout age completion indicator legislation to increase that, uh, also prevent students from harm act. This is about bullying and character education. Would you like to shed a little bit of light on either one of those?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, So I'm going to start with the second that you said, Preventing Students from Harm. I have a sixth grade daughter and anyone who is around our preteen and teenagers has to feel worried every single day about the mental health of our children. So Prevent Students from Harm is a small step forward. There are other steps we can take, but this is a small step forward of increasing access to resources and knowledge for our students for the crises that are in front of them. The part I'm most excited about is that we already had mental health as part of what we required to be talked to our students about, but this specifically adds suicide prevention strategies for education to our students. And um, my own sixth grader was telling me about Someone that I talked to her about suicide and I felt ill-equipped in that moment to know what to say to my 11-year-old because I don't want it on her, but I also want her to help. And so I actually talked to a guidance counselor I know and she suggested putting on my daughter's phone the 988 hotline. So that Letty can now, that's my daughter, so she can now, she has it as a safe picture on her phone. So now if someone's talking to her, she can send it to them. So she doesn't have the weight on her, but she's also helping people have access to resources. One in five North Carolinian high school students last year said that they had seriously considered committing suicide. So we need every North Carolina student to have that 988 number on their phone and they, to be able to help each other. So I'm really excited that, about that bill. The first that you referenced, but the mm-hmm. second talk about, drop is out. another bipartisan bill with uh, Representative Elmore and, and Lambeth, which is to raise the age of not being able to drop out of high school. So this is another thing where COVID has really done a number on many of our students, but also... This is a direct request from the workforce and the labor needs of our state. So we are trying to get to 2 million North Carolinians with our My Future in goals with high quality credentials. But the place we are least getting where we need to be are youth ages 17 to 24 who are not in the workforce and they're not in school. And right now... Once they get to 16, if they're out of the school, you know, if they're not in school, there's not effort and strategies to go out and find them because that is legal in North Carolina. And I think to take care of those uh, teenagers and help them have better paths for their life and to help them be better contributors to our overall state economy and workforce, we need to keep them in and get them across the finish line and We think that this is an approach that does that. And I give Representative Elmore credit for really thinking through what does this look like as a phase-in? So not just one day we're changing it, but in progress six months out of time so that the system can adjust over time. And it's not that costly in the grand scheme of things because the cost to not doing it Mm -hmm. is so much greater for our state. So those are two other things. You know, all of these things I think are bipartisan, common-sense solutions for problems that are in front of us, both immediately for students and that overall long-term help North Carolina continue to grow. So this has been fun because I've gotten to talk about all the things (laughs) I feel some optimism about.
0: Well, we're happy to have been able to do that with you today. Uh, Representative Ashton wheeler Clemens is the House Deputy Democratic Leader. She's in her third term in the North Carolina House representing Guilford County Thanks for your service to our state, and thanks for um, a little therapy session here, perking us all up a little bit with some positive news. Same
1: same for me. We'll have to do this again.
0: We sure will. I'll talk to you again later this spring. You take care. I enjoyed it. Well, that's it for this edition of News and Views. Remember, you can check us out online and subscribe for free to some of our state's best news coverage and political commentary at ncpolicywatch.com. You can also listen to all of our interviews and commentaries on Apple Podcasts. For producer Clayton Henkel, is Rob Schofield, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to News and Views. A weekly look at state and policy issues is a production of North Carolina Policy Watch. Visit them online at ncpolicywatch.com.